This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hola, bienvenidos, buongiorno, welcome one and all to a brand spanking new episode of the Low Life Podcast. I'm your flaming hot and spicy, seasonally depressed, hot mess of a host, Lorenzo von Rumpf, and I am so happy to be here with you today. There is no place I'd rather be than right here with my beautiful lowlifers. I'm sitting here in my chonies, so comfortable. I got the AC on full blast, got trashy sangria here on ice and a scented candle, little citrus moment happening on the table. I'm feeling really good right now. There is no place I'd rather be than right here in this moment with you right now. I hope you're having a beautiful week and you're feeling good, but if you're not having a good week, feeling a bit overwhelmed, stressed, anxious, all of the above, don't you worry, boo-boo. We're about to turn that frown upside down. We got a great show in store for you today. Let's talk about mental health. Nobody asked, (laughs) but my mental health score this week is a solid 9.4. That's right, 9.4 out of 10. You heard me right, puta. That's a very high score for me. That's two consecutive weeks of feeling like I'm walking on sunshine, like a f***ing Care Bear over here. Who the hell do I think I am? I'm surprised by it too. I've been really happy. (laughs) I'm definitely aware that mental health can take a bit of a dip in just the blink of an eye. The waves of grief happen, life throws you curveballs, and all of a sudden you feel like you're spiraling. So I'm going to enjoy this moment, savor it. I'm just going to sit in this moment and feel happy. That's where I'm at right now. I'm feeling really good, very grounded, happy with the people around me. Yeah, there's some things I want to fix, whatever, but it's not enough to throw me off my game in the sense of feeling good about myself. And right now, mental health-wise, coming off of a celebratory B-Day weekend... This is a different birthday than I've ever had. Mentally, I'm just in a different place, and I'm happy to be in this place. I know when it comes to birthdays, a lot of people can get depressed around their birthday. I've had a couple sad birthdays. I totally understand that. This year, I'm not sad. I'm more so just so grateful, happy to freaking be alive. Just to get to this point, I'm celebrating that. I've been looking back on the last couple years Holy shit, it's been a roller coaster ride for everybody. It's been insane. The last couple years have been filled with tears, happy moments, sad moments, loss, confusion, anxiety, change, and transformation. This year alone has been the most transformative year of my life, hands down. And so when it came to celebrating my birthday, I know birthdays, you're supposed to celebrate yourself. I get that. But I just got to take a beat, take a moment and celebrate the people that got me here. You being the people as well. You got me to this point. And I'm so grateful for it. I'm so appreciative. Even doing this podcast, I mean, I didn't know what to expect when I did this podcast. I was a bit fearful that it would fail, but I tried to be fearless and just throw it out into the world with no expectations, hoping people would like it. It would resonate with some people. And it has. We've built this low-lifer community. This little shit show has an incredible community of listeners, people behind it. My kings and queens, the listeners I have are the most thoughtful, kind, encouraging, open-minded, free-thinking, hilarious humans 
with the biggest hearts. I'm so grateful for my listeners. I love getting to meet you guys through the DMs, Facebook group, and having this platform to connect with you. It means everything to me. And it's definitely pulled me out of some dark spaces. I've experienced loss on this show, and I don't think people realize how much this podcast has really helped me get through that. It really has impacted my life. So I just want to say thank you for sharing this show, recommending it to your friends, your family, your loved ones, and supporting it, leaving reviews. All that really makes an impact. It makes a difference. And I am forever grateful to have my low life for community. And that's the mindset I had going into this birthday. I didn't really want to do a dinner with friends. I wasn't feeling it. Here's the thing. When it comes to friend dinners, I enjoy them. I have had them in the past. I do parties and shit like that. It's a good time. But I've never really had a set group of friends. You know what I mean? Like like the cast of friends. <laughs> like I never had my Joey, my Rachel, Chandler, Monica, or whatever. I never had that. I have friends, but they're more individual relationships. And those people all have their own groups of friends and I hang out with them individually. And so when it comes to my birthday, I typically would plan a dinner, but it's a lot of work. And none of those people really know each other. They know of each other and they meet usually once a year when it's time to celebrate my birthday. And so no one is going to really take the reins and plan it all because I'm the one who knows everybody's number and I'll figure out the schedule and the restaurant and I love planning. But just this year, I didn't have it in me. I didn't want to feel the pressure or have to reach out to people and yeah, I'm good. I even noticed when it came to people who wish me happy birthday, I remember years ago, like three years ago, if a friend forgot my birthday... I would get my feelings hurt. I'd be like, you bitch, how dare you forget my freaking birthday? But now, I don't know if it's part of getting older, feeling a bit more mature, or just caring less, realizing I don't need to put that kind of weight or expectation on it. If somebody forgets my birthday, that's a friend of mine. That's okay. It's not a big deal. I'm going to let it go. It's all good. We'll have dinner. You can make it up to me. Dinner's on you. Boom. There we go. But there's so much happening in life. People have a lot on their plates. And so, yeah, sometimes you're going to miss a birthday. I've done it. And I don't do it intentionally. I feel bad, of course. But knowing that there's not that expectation and there's nothing passive aggressive that's going to happen, it's all good. I just let it go. And that's how I went into this year, not wanting to put pressure and having to hang out with people and plan it or wonder who's going to text me or who I should meet up with. Like, no, I'm good. And so I'll see people. I've had a few different dinners. That's really sweet. I could have individual time, catch up, have a glass of wine and shoot the shit with friends one-on-one. -on -one. I love doing that. And that's what I'm doing this year is just removing some of the expectation. I notice that when it comes to special occasions like weddings, birthdays, any type of event where there's planning involved, there's a bit of weight associated with it. There's an expectation, if you will. And so I don't want that. I want to just chill, enjoy the moment. And if someone could show up for me, cool. If they can't, I'm not going to take it personal. It is what it is. The most important thing is just celebrating the people around me and getting to spend time with my family. The most important people in my life, mi familia, and I got to spend some real quality time with them and celebrate my birthday I didn't know what to expect. The queen messaged me. She said, Mijo, I'd love to do something for you. I don't want you to have to worry about anything. Just show up and we're going to have dinner for you. We can go to a restaurant. We can have it catered. Or if you'd like, 
I can cook you a home-cooked meal of whatever you'd like. I'll make you whatever you want. A home-cooked meal from the queen is my love language. Oh, I love home-cooked meals. And so I definitely went with that. Last year, I had her cook dinner for the family, and she said anything that I wanted for the menu. So I decided to have Thanksgiving in the middle of summer. (laughs) We did a full Thanksgiving feast. I'm talking turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes, sweet potato casserole, mac and cheese, everything. And I wanted to have that dinner and then play games. I love playing games with my family. And it kind of backfired on me, throwing that curveball Thanksgiving meal because we ate last year and then I was so tired. Everybody was so full and just wanted to take a nap. The last thing we wanted to do was play games, myself included. And so this year I was like, okay, I'm not going with a super heavy carb-loaded meal like turkey stuffing mashed potatoes. Like, no, I'm good. I mean, we're going to have a lot of food, but it's going to be a different vibe. We're going to have a Mexican meal, a traditional Mexicano dinner, the kind of dinner I grew up eating as a kid, the food that I love. This is comfort food, Mexican comfort food for the soul. And the queen was on board with that, and we had a lot of delicious food. The queen threw it down with some burritos, taquitos, enchiladas, micheladas, ceviche verde, frijoles de la olla, my favorite, arroz con pollo, guacamole, oh, and margaritas with tahini around the rim. Damn good. I was eating like a king. Definitely had on my stretchy pants. I went into the weekend knowing that I was going to be a human garbage disposal and just eat everything and not care about calories or what was going into my body, if it was bad or good for me. I'm just going to live my life to the fullest. And that's exactly what I did. The food was bomb. Oh, the queen also made this elote salad, like a Mexican street corn salad. I don't like cotija cheese. I don't like the smell of it. And so she did it on the side. But the elote salad with grilled peppers, bell peppers, and you chop up the corn and you add the tahini and the lime and cilantro. And oh, it was really a delicious meal. I forgot about dessert. Oh, I got to tell you about dessert. So there's this bakery here in California. It's called Porto's. If any of you have a chance to come here to California to visit or if you live here, Check out Porto's. It is so freaking bomb. It's Cubano, a Cuban-style bakery. So they have uh, empanadas, croquetas, and then all the delicious pastries of your dreams. I mean, everything down to croissants, and they have little cheese danishes and cheese rolls, and just, oh man, it's so good. The line always wraps around the block. There's one in Burbank. There's another in Downey, I think, and then another one in Brea. But the place is always popping, and they're known for their delicious, freshly baked pastries. And so I really wanted a tres leches cake. That's my favorite cake. I love tres leches. I'm lactose intolerant, so a tres leches cake is definitely going to send me to the toilet. That's okay. I knew what to expect. I only have it once a year. I don't know if tres leches is a very popular cake. I mean, I always see it when I shop at the Mexican market. They have a really good tres leches at Northgate or Vallarta, but... I don't necessarily know if I've seen it at Ralph's or Vaughn's or Trader Joe's, Whole Foods. Maybe. I don't know. Is Tres Leches popular? I love it. I grew up eating it. It's a very popular cake in Hispanic households. But it's the type of cake you either love it or you hate it. Like my dad, he's not about it. He's like, it's gross. (laughs) I think it's delicious. For those of you who are not familiar with Tres Leches cake, I'll explain it to you. Here we go. So a Tres Leches cake is basically 
a three milk cake. That's the English translation. So what it is, is a fluffy angel food type cake. It's really fluffy, spongy, and it's usually cooked in a baking sheet. It's not a very tall cake. It's a one layer type of cake. And so that's baked, and then you put a bunch of little holes on the top of it, and then you top the cake with three different types of milk. So the queen had a breast pump, she pumped and got lots of leche for the cake, and then she mixes her own milk with cow's milk and goat's milk. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> so fing gross. I would still eat it though. Are you kidding? I'm not gonna say no to tres leches, even if it is the queen's leche. But it's not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's not it's not human milk or goat's milk or pig's milk. It's it's evaporated milk and condensed milk and a heavy cream with a little bit of rum. And so you mix those together and it's like a very sweet little rum taste to it. You pour it over the top of this spongy cake and you let it set usually overnight. Let it get nice and cold in the fridge. And then you take it out and you top it with a cool whip consistency type of frosting. It's very light and fluffy. So you put that over the top and then you can put some fruits like kiwi, uh, strawberries, berries on top of that. It sounds so gross as I'm describing it, <laughs> but I swear it's good. I like a wet cake. It's delicious. But again, there's people like my dad who's like, that's disgusting. <laughs> I hate tres leches. And so we had two desserts for the people that love tres leches like me, boom, there you go. And then the queen also threw it down and made this incredible coconut cake. But it's not like any coconut cake. You know those Girl Scout cookies? They're called Samoas. Actually, I think that's the politically incorrect term. I'm pretty sure Girl Scouts changed the name of Samoa cookies to something else. I don't know what the other name is, but for the sake of the story, I love my Samoans. But these cookies are called Samoas. Anyway... They're these perfectly round cookies, more like a shortbread. The bottom of the cookie is coated in a chocolate, not a very high quality chocolate. It's like a waxy type chocolate, similar to the kind of chocolate you'd find at your local gas station, 7-Eleven. You know, the donuts that come pre-made, those waxy chocolate donuts that don't really melt. I love them. <laughs> I love that type of chocolate. And so these cookies are coated on the bottom of chocolate and the top is caramel and toasted coconut. Oh, they're so good. I love them. But the cake that she makes tastes just like those Samoa cookies. It's a bougier version of a Samoa cookie. Like she doesn't use waxy chocolate. She uses a semi-sweet and a dark chocolate. And she shaves that chocolate, puts it on the side. And then she made this delicious vanilla custard. Once she has the first layer of cake, then she ends up taking the vanilla custard, does a light layer of that, folds in, the chocolate shavings into the middle layer and then puts another cake on top of that. So there's the second layer of cake and then coats the whole thing in a homemade coconut buttercream frosting. Oh, and then tops that with toasted coconut. The cake looks like it was completely dipped in freshly toasted coconut. The chocolate, the coconut, the delicious vanilla custard in the middle. It is heavenly and literally tastes like a Samoa cookie, a bougie version of that. And so we also had that cake too. Oh my God, I'm still licking my chops thinking about it. Jesus. So good. Definitely gained about 12 to 15 pounds in the last four to five business days, but it was worth it. I got to eat, drink, have a good time. That's all you need for a party. Good food, good people, 
amazing drinks, a great playlist. We had Earth, Wind, and Fire playing, Mark Anthony, Celia Cruz, Gloria Estefan, Selena Quintanilla, Juanes, oh, just all the bangers. It was amazing. The theme for the party was actually the Selena Cantina. How cute is that? The queen turned her home into a Selena-themed taco cantina. And so all of the decor had Selena and pictures of her. And you could find everything you want for a themed party. You could pretty much pick any theme, and it's somewhere on the internet. So she ordered really cute decor off of Etsy. I'm a huge fan of Selena. If you're new to this show, some would consider me a Selena Quintanilla historian or a super fan. All of the above. I love her. She's heavily influenced my career, where I'm at styling. I love her so much. And so I've actually done a podcast episode all about Selena Quintanilla. If you're not familiar with her or you want to learn about her, during Hispanic Heritage Month, I did a deep dive into the life, legacy, and impact, societal impact on the entertainment industry, on politics, on life, on the Latino Chicano community. And so I talked about all of that in a really interesting episode that did very well, actually. And so if you want a chance to hear that, check out the Selena Quintanilla episode from October. And so Selena is my favorite. So having a party with pictures and games all associated with her, it was a dream come true. Oh, the queen got Selena Quintanilla Loteria. Is Loteria a very popular game for birthdays, like American-style birthdays? I'm not sure. Loteria is bingo, like American English version of bingo. And I've played that once before. Back when I was altar-serving, they had a game of bingo going in the church hall. It was all elderly people. I loved it. But it was all numbers on the card. And then someone calls out the little balls, and then you put a stamp, and then you get bingo, right? And so we have the same version of that, but it's very common to play it at parties, like Hispanic birthday parties. And so we love playing it. I've been playing it since I was a little kid. The traditional game of Loteria, it's similar to the English version, except there's pictures and the pictures are correlated to the word. And someone calls out the different pictures and the words and you have to put little beans or whatever on top of the card. And whoever fills up the card first gets to call Loteria, bingo. And then they win something. So we had prizes and everything. I was cracking up looking at this game of Loteria because they haven't changed this game in well over 25 years. I think my mom played it when she was a kid. My nana played it. I mean, I grew up playing it for the last 20-something years too. It's just one of those games that gets everybody going, everybody shows their competitive side, and it makes the party very lively. But the cards themselves, the words that they have on them, are so wrong. (laughs) So wrong. Like... How does this shit fly in today's world? Like on one of the cards, it's El Borracho, which is a drunk. And the picture is basically a homeless, dirty drunk dude with a broken bottle of booze. <laughs> so it's like, geez. Or La Sirena. This is a game I was playing as a kid. And I was like, whoa, this is edgy. But La Sirena, which is the mermaid. And it's a picture of a mermaid, completely topless, nipples out, boom, on the card. And so anyway, (laughs) they haven't really updated the game at all. The pictures, they're still super old school. Um, And that's what I grew up playing. But the queen found a Selena Quintanilla version of Loteria, which was amazing because all the cards had to do with the life of Selena. So they had One that was La Carcacha or La Llamada or Como La Flor or Los Dinos. Like all the different things that represent Selena. Oh, my favorite one was on the original version, they have a Diablo card. It's a picture of the devil with a pitchfork. 
And on the Selena version, they still have the Diablo card, but it's a picture of Yolanda Saldivar. <laughs> oh, we were all cracking up. So yeah, we played that, had some games, had some fun, and it was it was a really nice birthday. I loved it. I want to get into this week's episode. I'm doing a round of burning questions from the lowlifers. And as I was going through my inbox, first of all, thank you for being so vulnerable. You guys share so openly. And I love how vulnerable and open you are with your questions. So candid. I love it. Thank you for that. And so as I was going through them, I was trying to group them based on like, are these relationship questions, you know, sex questions or what? And I noticed a lot of the questions or advice that you were seeking had to do with friendships, toxic friendships, losing friends, how to make friends, how to break up with a friend. A lot of you had questions about that. And I'm no expert, but I've definitely been through my share of some shitty ass friends. I've had my toxic friends. I have been dragged through the mud through some f***ed up friends in my life. (laughs) So I am down to give you some helpful advice. Now, I'm not an expert. I'm not a professional. I'm not a therapist. You could take my advice or leave it. Take it with a grain of salt. Take it or leave it. It's up to you. I'm just going to give you the best advice that I can based on my own life experiences, my own circumstances, and you can do with it what you'd like. But hopefully, it will help you. When it comes to relationships, so much of the attention and time and focus goes into are intimate relationships with a partner, boyfriend, a girlfriend, who we're dating. And some of the shit that we put up with in our friendships, we would never let that fly in a relationship. If you have a friend who's always late and just leaves you hanging, you might still keep that friend around. But if someone did that to you who you were dating, you'd be like, no, I'm out. No, thanks. (laughs) Well, at least I would. I would not put up with that shit. And so I feel like sometimes with friendships, it's easy to get taken advantage of. It's hard to put up boundaries for a lot of people. And we spend so much time worrying about who we're dating and our partners in life that sometimes we forget to put the attention focus on our interpersonal relationships, our friendships. And breaking up with a friend, just from my own experience, I've been on the receiving end of it and I've had to do it. It's not easy. It's not fun. It's actually very painful, sometimes worse than a breakup. And so on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about that, some tips and tricks to get you through some tough times with friends. We've all been there at some point in our lives. So hopefully this episode is very helpful to you. So without further ado, let's jump into today's very special burning questions from the low lifers, friendship edition. Hit it. If you want to be my All right, so the first pregunta from a listener, and this person has asked to remain anonymous. I'm going to respect that, keep it anonymous. I get it. You're opening up Pandora's box. There's a lot of private details of your personal life. I get you don't want your name said in this podcast. So anonymous writes, hey, Lo, love your show. I would love your advice on friendships. I have a difficult time making friends. I know my best friend loves me. We've known each other for years, but I also know that she discredits my feelings or problems when I open up to her because I'm financially in a better position than she is. So in her opinion, I have no room to complain about anything. 
She's actually said that to me while I was going through a really painful breakup. I've given her money without asking to get paid back. I've tried to help her out, but it's more so that she's just not happy with her life choices in her own career. When my boyfriend cheated on me and we ended up breaking up, I almost felt like she was happy and relieved to hear the news because it evened the playing field with us. I know that's crazy to say, but I really felt that deep down. I was heartbroken because I lost my partner, but I also realized I don't really have any real genuine friends. I keep getting hurt and a part of me thinks that I'm bringing these people into my life. They are so attracted to me. I don't understand why these people are so attracted to me in life, these toxic relationships. I don't blame myself for losing my boyfriend. He was a pathological liar who was living a double life. But I do blame myself for the choice of bad friends I keep bringing into my world. I would love your input on this because I know you have been through a lot when it comes to toxic friends. I would love to be your friend, though, if you're taking applications. <laughs> yes, Queen, you have a friend here at the Low Life Podcast in me, of course. All right, let me just start it off by saying congrats to you for cutting that dude out of your life. Adios, motherfucker. That guy was lying, cheating on you. You don't need that in your life. Good for you. We love a queen who knows her worth. I'm so glad you put up that boundary, and hopefully he's not in your life at all anymore. Next thing, let's talk about the friendships. I relate so much to what you were saying. I've been in your shoes. I remember saying those exact words to my therapist that I keep attracting these people in my life. I've gone through a lot with friends. Oh my God, I've been through the ringer. (laughs) I've been through some shit. Oh my God. And I remember complaining to my therapist. I'm like, why are these people coming into my life? Why are they attracted to me? Like, why do I bring them into my world? Like, what's going on here? What's wrong with me? I keep on attracting these people who take advantage of me. I've been backstabbed, lied to, manipulated, taken advantage of, used. Oh, you name it. It's been bad, which makes sense considering I've been in Los Angeles pretty much my entire life. I've been coming here since I was seven years old. I officially moved here when I was 16. I'm in my 30s now. So we're going on over 15 years in LA. And in that time, I've made some really great friends, met some incredible people, But I've also met some real psychos, some real toxic, manipulative monsters. I feel like I've witnessed evil face-to-face with some of these people, really, though. I know that sounds dramatic, but I've seen some shit. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, I've seen some really dark shit in my day. So I remember being at a crossroads, and I was talking to my therapist and telling her how sick and tired I am of these people coming into my life. I'm attracting the worst of the worst. And I've been through hell and back with these friends. And she said, Lo, I want to just take a pause for a moment. And I want you to flip this script. And I don't think it's necessarily that you are attracting these people. I think that you're seeking them out. And I was like, excuse me, wait, what? Seeking them out? What are you talking about? And so she clarified it. She said, you are seeking these people out because you're broken. You have very low self-esteem. And truth be told, I didn't feel great about myself. I was dealing with imposter syndrome. I was coming to terms with my sexuality. I didn't like who I was. I didn't feel good in my own skin. I was really shaky in my confidence. Hell, I didn't have any confidence. I was really new to the industry. So there were a lot of different variables and I wasn't happy in my own skin. I didn't love myself at all, actually. And so I was seeking these friendships out, and she really painted the picture crystal clear for me. 
I'm seeking these friendships out because they just reinforce how I feel about myself. I don't love myself. I don't respect myself enough. I don't have self-confidence right now. And everything that these friends are doing is just reinforcing that shitty behavior that I already feel about myself. And so until I start to put in the work, until I start to really take ownership of like, hold up, I need to start loving myself. I need to give myself a fighting chance here. And once I start to do that, as she told me, these people won't even feel comfortable being in your orbit. Once you start to make the change and put yourself first and start valuing yourself, start respecting yourself, start loving yourself. Really though, genuinely being okay alone with yourself is a different kind of power to have. And I wasn't there yet. And so once that started to happen, it took time, took therapy, reading books, taking time to meditate and separating myself from this group for a bit. And once I started to do that, I was like, oh my God, I started seeing the writing on the wall. I I started to see just how toxic and f***ed up these people really were, how manipulative, how mean-spirited these girls were. And everybody looked at this friend group like, oh my God, what a cool group of people. You're so lucky to be friends with them, Lo. And I'm like, no, if you only knew. You think you know, but you have no idea. (laughs) Like MTV, it's real over here, guys. And it's not what it seems at all. These people are actually miserable. They are the worst. They all talk bad about each other. And it's just pure toxicity at its finest. And so once I put in the self-work, I started to see that for what it was. And I no longer was seeking these friends out. I'm actually repellent to people who are catty and gossipy and backstabbing and manipulative and really mean-spirited. They don't even feel comfortable being around me because I'm no longer getting in the mud with them. No, I'm good. Sorry, misery loves company, but that's not the company for me anymore. I started to love myself. And so when you say that you're attracting these people, maybe you just need to work on yourself a little bit. That's what I had to do, just speaking from my own experience. And that really helped me out. So that's the first part of it. I don't think that you're attracting these people. I think that you might be seeking them out. So maybe do a little self-work in that sense, which is not easy to do but it's worth the effort. It's worth the hard work. So I hope that helps you. But once you start putting in the work and feeling good about yourself, feeling good in your own skin, feeling confident and loving yourself, trust me, just based on the laws of attraction, you're going to start bringing that energy right back into your world. I promise you that much. Hair thinning impacts a lot of us. In fact, over half of us will experience hair thinning at some point in our lives. It's not only common, it's normal. Join over 1 million people who are doing something about it with Nutrafol. I've been recommending it to my friends and family. I take it. My mama, the queen, takes it. Queen, you love it. Oh, yeah. I recommend it to my hairstylist. I recommend my sister-in-law and even my niece. We range in age from like 22 to 67. They're loving it. Yeah, they are. It's a great Mother's Day gift. Oh, I love it. It's amazing. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code LOWLIFE. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code LOWLIFE. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code LOWLIFE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 
6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, next question. Here we go. This listener writes... Hey, Lo, I keep getting disappointed by friends. I was pulling all-nighters for my friend, helping her with her business, and I even volunteered my husband, who's amazing with finances, to help with accounting because I know she needed it. But when it came time to help me out with my baby shower, she basically just blew me off. I do love hanging with this friend because we have the same sense of humor. We get along great. Our families have known each other for years, but she's definitely let me down more than a few times. Should I cut this friend or keep this friend in my life? Your advice would help. All right, Queen, here we go. This is a tough one because I think the knee-jerk reaction, because I'm protective of my low-lifers, would be to cut her loose. Get rid of this puta. She's not good for you. She's letting you down. That's just my initial reaction. (laughs) But I also have to take a moment, take a beat, and realize that you do have a history with this friend, You clearly enjoy the friendship. You love this friend. She's been in your life for years. That doesn't justify or make the behavior okay at all that she's let you down more than a few times. Those are major red flags. But when it comes to friends, expectations of friends or what you put in is what you hopefully will get out of it as well. Friendships are like investments. You put enough in, you put love, effort, time in, and then you hope you can get that love and effort back from the person. It's reciprocated in some sort of way. Not the same exact way, but you want some sort of a reciprocation of what you're putting into a friendship, right? And I've dealt with this where I'm giving so much and I'm not getting that back. I'm not experiencing the same type of loyalty. Or if I'm pulling an all-nighter for a friend, I've done that too. And I know deep down, they wouldn't do that for me. And it used to really affect me. And I actually talked about this one with the queen because I was going through it. I remember helping a friend out and knowing in the back of my mind, deep down, when I really thought about it, knowing they would never do something like that for me. And as I've gotten older and I've had that happen and friends come and go and people I was close with, I'm no longer close to anymore and stuff like that happens with life. But as that's happened, I started to take an inventory Take stock of the people in my life. It's funny because we put a lot of attention and focus on relationships, as in boyfriends, girlfriends who we're dating, who we want to partner with. Some of the things that we tolerate or put up with in our friendships, we would never let that shit fly if we're dating somebody. If someone's going to stand me up or be late or you know not put in as much effort that I'm putting in in a relationship, I'm out. No thanks, Hard pass for me, <laughs> but, but we have a little bit more leniency, forgiveness when it comes to our friends. So I think it's really important for us to take a mental inventory of our friendships. And so I started to do that. And I listened to this sermon from T.D. Jenks. I wrote all my friends down and I started to compartmentalize them into three different categories. And these three categories that I'm going to share with you have been really beneficial to me They've helped me in navigating difficult relationships. They've helped explain toxic relationships, and they've really given me peace of mind, putting my friends in these three specific categories that I'm going to share with you right now. 
This is from a pastor. This concept of the three categories was a sermon given by Pastor T.D. Jenks, and it was great. I'm not a holy roller. I'm more on the spiritual side, but I do enjoy a sermon once in a while. And this one really resonated with me. And the queen had said something very similar, a very similar metaphor when I was asking for her advice on this. And actually, my therapist also kind of mirrored what the queen was saying and what this pastor was saying. And so after I listened to all of those different words of advice and and wisdom, I was like, okay, I'm going to take that advice and I'm going to start putting my friends in these categories. All right. So the three categories, after you write all the people in your life, your innermost circle, these are your work friends too, and the outer circle, these are colleagues, just Anybody that's basically in your life that you would consider a friend, I wrote them all down and I started to put them in these categories. So the first category is confidants. Confidants are the people that you can trust. These are your ride or dies. These are the people that are going to either bail you out of jail or be in the jail cell next to you. These are the people that you could trust with your hopes, your dreams, your aspirations. You could be very vulnerable with them. You could just let it all hang out. You could look like shit with them. You could talk finances, politics, religion. You could just be completely yourself, unapologetically you, and they accept you for who you are. These confidants are for you. They want you to succeed. These people want you to get ahead in life. And if they have an opportunity to help you, God knows they want to do that. Confidants are the people you don't get tired of being around. You know when you're around certain people and you feel exhausted and tired and you just need some alone time to recharge a little bit? Confidants are the people where you feel like you're basically hanging out with yourself because it doesn't require really any effort. You can completely just let it all hang out and you don't need to feel like you're going to recharge because these people are recharging you in some sort of a way. These people are bringing light into your life and it's reciprocated. You bring light to them, they bring light to you, they energize you, they build you up, they talk you up and they're also not echo chambers. So they're giving you straight shooter advice. If you're doing wrong, these are the friends that are gonna say, hey, that wasn't cool though. Hey, you know what, that actually wasn't the right move. I think you should do this, or I think you should really look at that again. (laughs) That wasn't the best thing for you to do. Like that sort of thing. These are friends that really have your best interest at heart. And these confidants, these beautiful little unicorn human beings, they are rare. And we're lucky as humans if we get at least one, two, or even three of these is like a blessing from the universe. Most people are lucky to find one. And a lot of people don't even end up marrying their confidant. A confidant ends up just being a really solid, beautiful friend or sister or something like that to them. If you're lucky enough to marry that person, even more blessings from the universe coming your way. And so these confidants, there's not a lot of them that come into your life. And that makes complete sense because what you put into it is what you get out of it. Having a confidant requires effort. You got to invest. You got to put in time, love, energy. You're pouring into people. They're pouring into you. And as humans, we could only do that with so many people. My God, you can't have 15 confidants. That's insane. <laughs> like You couldn't go through life like that. There are people I know, one friend in particular, and everybody thinks he's his freaking confidant. He has like 15 or 20 different confidants. He's constantly on the phone, FaceTiming. People are always talking to him. When all the dust settles, He's one of the loneliest people in the room because he knows he hasn't been investing in those people. He knows that it's pretty surface level. It feels deep, but it's really not that deep. And so 
Confidants are really special, and that's the top-tier category. Second category of people in your life are going to be constituents. So constituents are not for you. They are for what you were for. You get what I'm saying? Constituents need you for some sort of a reason. A lot of these relationships with constituents feels a bit transactional. Uh, You can't necessarily devote too much trust and put too much stock in these relationships. Like if you've ever had a friend and you hit it off with somebody, but then they end up becoming friends with somebody else in your innermost circle, and then those people become close, and, and you feel like you were a bit used in a sense, that's a constituent. Constituents usually have some sort of an agenda. And it doesn't mean you don't need these people in your life. Constituents are actually important. You got to season these people into your life because they're going to help you get to the next destination. They're not with you forever. They're with you on the short term. These are temporary friends that come in and out of your life. You don't have to pour too much into them. They're not going to pour too much into you. And usually you guys are united because you both love something similar. That's bonded you. You guys both support the same cause. These are people at your church. You both have the same political views. You met with some sort of humanitarian effort that you guys are both united in. But past that, it doesn't go much deeper, which is okay, but you just got to accept it for what it is. That person is a constituent. And when these people end up withdrawing from you, they're no longer as close to you because maybe they got what they needed from the friendship. Their agenda is putting themselves first, not you. So you have to remember that. They're in it for them, not you. And so once they leave you in the dust and go on to the next, you have to be in a position in life of knowing that they are just a constituent. So you can't feel bitter when you say goodbye. You just got to let them go. And that's something that's really hard to do. Love them when they come into your life and love them enough to let them go and get the hell out of your life too. Goodbye. (laughs) So... So at the end of the day, constituents aren't bad people. They're actually great people a lot of the times. I enjoy a lot of these people in my life. You just know that you don't want to necessarily pour so much of yourself into it because you know you're not ever going to have that reciprocated to you because they're not your confidant. They're a constituent. All right, so the last category of friends, and this is the one we all have to be the most careful of. I'm talking about comrades. Comrades in your life are not for you. They are for what you are against. You guys are united through a negative. So whether it be you hate the same person or you can't stand the same job that you're in or you guys have a past trauma that you both could relate to and that specific negative has really brought out some sort of a kinship, a bond within you guys. But it's, again, rooted in something that's not necessarily a positive. It's a negative. That person is a comrade in your life. I have to be really careful with these type of relationships because sometimes you'll feel really close to comrades. I remember I had a girlfriend of mine and she had met me for a happy hour. And I wasn't that close with this friend, but we were hanging out a little bit and I liked her. I didn't know much about her. And so we're sitting down. We had a mutual friend who had introduced us. And so her and I ended up meeting up for happy hour And at this happy hour, she said, oh my God, did you hear about so-and-so's breakup? I said, oh no, I I had no idea. She said, oh my God, it's so bad. And so she starts telling me all these details about our mutual friend's breakup. Now, granted, this mutual friend of ours, of course, she'll probably tell me eventually, or maybe she won't. It's not this person's place to share that information with me. So right away, I was like, 
I already don't trust your ass because you're sharing such personal, private information about somebody else. You're speaking about something that's going on in somebody else's life and sharing it with me like it's hot goss spilling some tea. And it's this supercharged intimacy, this pseudo connection, because now I feel like we have this like little secret between us and we're sharing this private information between each other. I'm like, I don't want anything to do with that. But she prefaced the conversation with, I'm not telling anybody this, or I probably shouldn't be telling you this, so please keep this between us. And so right away, it already felt like, oh, there's some sort of an intimacy, little private bond happening here because she's sharing private information with me. But that's not information that, again, she should have ever been sharing with me. So kind of backfired on her because I'm like, "Mm, you're a comrade. I don't trust you. Check, please. (laughs) Not all comrades are bad. Sometimes, again, you need these people peppered into your life. And to me, when it comes to comrades, it kind of comes down to like misery loves company. And so, yes, sometimes you end up bonding with someone because of a miserable feeling. I got really close to a friend when I was going through a terrible breakup. And I remember she was going through one too. And we both were miserable together. And it was kind of (laughs) nice. So sometimes you need that. But that's not necessarily somebody that I'm going to heavily invest in or open up all of my you know, deepest, darkest fears, secrets, hopes, aspirations, and share my dreams with. I'm not going to do it with that type of a person, that's for sure. And so to go back to your question, that was a long-winded answer, but when you're asking, should I cut a friendship or should I keep it? I think you really need to evaluate where the different friends are in your life. And once you start to put these friends in these three categories of confidants, constituents, and comrades, It really helps in managing your expectations. Well, it did for me, at least, because once I started to see, oh, wait, I'm expecting this person to show up for me and be super loyal and do what I'm going to do for them. But I know they're not even capable of doing that because this person's not for me. They're for them. They have their own agenda. They're a constituent. Now, if a confidant was doing that to me, well, then it's a different conversation. And sometimes that happens. And that's a conversation worth having. But for other people, it's like, why waste your time? You know what you're going to get out of this friendship. It's as deep as a puddle. And that's okay. Sometimes you need those. Also, when it comes to really close friends in your life, and sometimes you're let down by them, I've gone through that where I've put a lot of effort into a friendship. And you hope, for the most part, that it's a 50-50 split, right? You're putting in just as much effort as the other person. But I've come to learn and realize that it's not always going to be that way, even with my confidant. Sometimes that person's only going to be able to give 10% and I'm going to have to step it up and give 90%. That's okay. Like when little Dookie died, I was not in a good headspace to really invest in any friendships. And that's when my real friends, the true ride or dies came through for me. And even though I was a mess and even though I wasn't the most fun to be around and I didn't have any jokes or laughter in me, they still were down to hang out with me. That's when Caitlin was calling me and talking to me on the phone for two hours while I had snot running down my face, crying over little Dookie, just being there for me. That's a real friend. That's a ride or die type of a person. You know what I mean? So I hope that helps you out with your question. I know you're asking if you should just cut the friendship or keep it, but I feel like if you start to categorize your friends And really look at them for what they are. Not only will you manage your expectations, but I think you'll have the answer written out for you on paper. All right, the next question is coming from a guy 
Okay, but I'm not going to say his name either. <laughs> All right, this king writes, Hello, Lo, I'm dating a woman right now, and she is beautiful and funny, and I really enjoy my time with her. My family really likes her too. All my friends tell me that she is perfect. She's the one. We've been dating for two years, and we live together now, but there have been some red flags along the way. She is self-admittedly very jealous of any woman in my life. She doesn't like me working with women, but I'm a vet, and there are women in my office as well as females who own pets. <laughs> of course. I would never cheat on her, though. I just wish she would trust me. I've given her no reason not to trust me, but she's been cheated on in past relationships, so it's very hard for her. The biggest problem I have is how to deal with how passive-aggressive she is. I'm not perfect by any means, but I always at least try to talk to her about any issues or disagreements we have, but she just shuts down and she'll refuse to speak about it. She will never admit to being wrong, and I feel like I'm the one who's always f***ing up and being punished. Sometimes I apologize and I don't even know what I'm really apologizing for, but I just want to make her happy so we can have a good week. She acts distant and she starts to give me the silent treatment or make little comments that I could tell I'm on her bad side. It drives me nuts because it can last for over a week sometimes. We won't have sex. I can't even touch her when she's upset with me and I don't even know what I really did wrong sometimes. She's even kicked me out of the bedroom. <laughs> if friends are around us at soccer matches, she will act like everything is fine between us until they leave and then she's pissed off again. Eventually, she will warm back up to me and we will go back to normal and things are great. But sometimes I just can't help but think, is marrying this person and starting a family going to be a big mistake? Wow. All right, let's break this down. First things first, when it comes to solving conflict, she's someone who clearly needs a little bit of time. I'm very similar to you in the sense of when I have conflict with somebody, whether it be an interpersonal relationship, a friendship, a colleague, any conflict for that matter, I want to resolve it right away. Rip that Band-Aid off. Let's talk about it. Let's get to the root of it. Let's fix this. I want to heal and fix it in some sort of way. I don't necessarily love confrontation, but I'm not afraid of it, I guess you could say. like I welcome it. But I'm not coming at the person in a confrontational way. I just want to solve the problem. And if I did wrong, let me rectify it. Let me fix the situation for you. We always talk about love languages, you know, acts of service, gifts, words of affirmation, physical touch, quality time. And that's important, of course, to know what your love language is. But we also have to recognize that we all have different fight languages too. And so mine is instant resolution. Let's talk about it. Let's air the grievances and let's heal and move forward. I don't like to go to bed angry. That phrase, like no one wants to go to bed angry. You should never go to bed angry with someone you love. We've all heard that, right? I have to understand though, and this is through a lot of therapy, <laughs> that sometimes you are going to go to bed angry and that's okay. And when it comes to love languages, there are different fight languages too. And so even though I want to resolve things right away, that is my fight language, I could be in a relationship, and I was at one point, with someone who did not solve problems that way. That actually made them uncomfortable. Uh, they would say things they regret. It would be more of a knee-jerk reaction, a very emotional response. They needed a moment. They needed to take a beat. He needed to take time away from me, clear his thoughts, sit with it for a little bit, and then come to the table and have an honest, open discussion when tension and feelings, and it didn't feel so heightened with emotion. 
And that was really hard for me to wrap my brain around because I'm like, how long do you need again? And so that's the first thing. Clearly, you guys have very different fight languages. And it doesn't mean that yours is right and she's wrong or vice versa. It just means that you guys just have to find a common ground and you also have to fight fair. And so the second part of that is the fact that she will go into silent treatment for a few days, five days, you said even a week sometimes, and you don't even know what really upset her. That's not cool. That is something you got to work on with her because that's not playing fair. That's punishing someone. That's like she's punishing you like you're a child, like you're in timeout. And it's a way to get attention and it's a way to reinforce that dynamic of having the upper hand for her because now you're walking on eggshells and she probably loves that. That's not cool though. So I think in relationships, just from my own experience, this sounds a lot like my ex actually, (laughs) but I remember setting some ground rules and I think that's really important. So it's okay that you need some time. I totally understand that you don't want to talk about it right now. And I upset you, even if you don't necessarily know what it is that upset her, take a moment, take a beat, but you should have ground rules. Like Let's talk about this in 48 hours, take two days or 72 hours. Anything past that, I feel like that's not also respecting your fight language either. And so if she wants to take a full week and have you walking on eggshells, well, I'm the type of person, if it's not resolved within, honestly, about 72 hours, I already start preparing the funeral in my head. Goodbye. This relationship is over. (laughs) So that's my way of healing. That's my own, you know, past trauma and what I've dealt with and how I'm able to heal myself is if it's not resolved, I can't sit with it. I can't let it linger. I have to have some sort of closure. And if it's not going to be with that person, I'm going to get it on my own. And I don't know if you're like that, but what I'm saying is clearly having a week of no dialogue with someone and feeling distant and not connected and you can't touch the person and you're not having sex like you usually would and and you're being punished physically, mentally, emotionally. Like These are all little microaggressions, little punishments. It's not okay. And so you need to come to the table and be like, hey, I'm okay with you taking a beat, taking a pause, take the time that you need, but let's set a marker at 48 hours, two days or 72 hours. And then we will promise that we'll come to the table and talk. Because you also have the same goal in mind, I assume, right? Both of you want to be together. You guys are fighting on the same team. And so the ultimate goal is you want to be in a relationship. You guys want to make this work. And so I would suggest setting some ground rules in that way. The last part about this is dealing with trust issues. So you're a vet. I love that you're a vet helping little animals. How cute is that? She's not okay with females around you. You said that you haven't given her a reason to not trust you. So you've never cheated on her. That has not been an issue in your relationship. Thank God for that. What she's talking about are past relationships, past trauma, being cheated on. It really does a number on someone. And so unfortunately, what seems to be happening just from an outsider looking in is she's projecting her own trust issues into the relationship with you. She's taking that past baggage, that past trauma of being cheated on and lied to. I don't know what else happened to her, but something significant, enough for her to bring that excess baggage into the relationship with you. And now you guys as a couple are dealing with the bullshit that that motherfucker left her with in the last relationship. And that doesn't need to be the situation with you guys. And so for anything, 
you could be patient and empathetic and compassionate to the fact that she's been through hell with her past relationships, but also that's a bit of work that she needs to do on her own that doesn't even involve you. You shouldn't have to constantly prove that you are trustworthy in this relationship. At some point, you just have to be like, I get it. I trust you. (laughs) A little bit of a trust fall, which is why relationships are scary. I get it. Friendships are scary too like that. Trusting someone, it's not easy to do. I struggle with it all the time. (laughs) So what I would recommend for her is getting counseling to deal with that and talk about where those trust issues stem from. And maybe it was just one relationship. It could go back to her parents. It could go much deeper than you even realize. I don't know how much she's revealed to you, but I think there's a lot of roots there And she needs to start digging them roots up and planting a new future with you. And so to do that, counseling is important, open communication. And just, again, when she starts thinking like, I can't trust you, or she gets a bit jealous, having the knowledge that it has really nothing to do with you, it's her own insecurities, it's her own past relationship, past drama and trauma that she's dealing with. And so you don't have to take that personal, but it doesn't mean you have to deal with that all the time. That's not fair to you either. And so that's something you guys have to work out in a little bit of couples counseling, but more so solo mission for her to get to the bottom of that. Because whether she's with you or not, she's going to carry that into all the different relationships of her life. That distrust, that questioning type of behavior is insidious in the way that it starts to poison all the relationships around you. So you got to freaking suck the poison out, cut the head off that snake and move on with your life. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and start to trust each other. Okay, hopefully that helps. <laughs> All right, we have time for one more question, and this one is coming in hot. She said I could say her name. Her name is Erica, and she is writing this from Toronto, Canada. A little Canadian maple delight. I love it. All right, Erica writes, Hey, Lo, I'm a big fan of your show. I've been a loyal low lifer since day one. Thank you for that, Queen OG low lifer. She writes, there are certain people in my life who I've given plenty of second chances to. I want to ask you, how do you know when to break up with a friend? And how the hell do you do something like that? All right, Erica. Well, I've had to break up with friends. It sucks. And I'm not the best at it. I've tried a couple different methods. And I know that you have to ask yourself a few different questions before you get to that point of realizing you want to break up with a person. And sometimes it's actually not even a breakup. Sometimes it's just like taking a beat, taking a pause. Like the first listener, she had a great relationship with her friend at one point, and then she started to see that the relationship had changed. I don't necessarily know if she needs to cut that person out of her life, just more so taking a beat, taking a pause type of a thing. We're just not in the same place in life, different seasons, people come in and out. And so she's just not going to be in that season of your life, that sort of a thing. For me, when it comes to assessing if I should break up with a friend or not, the first thing I ask myself is, is this friendship depleting me? Is it depleting me emotionally, mentally, physically? Is it exhausting to me? Is it taking a toll on me? And if you could answer yes to any of those things, well, then it's probably time for a much-needed break, a pause, or a breakup. Because friendships, we get to choose our friends. And we should want people who encourage us and we feel seen and heard and rejuvenated with. Sometimes you might think one of your closest friends, they might be depleting you a little bit, or you feel like you are putting in all the effort. And sometimes I feel like you have to be okay with that. Not always, but for the most part, when it comes to friends, if they're depleting you, you feel exhausted, emotionally drained, well, then it's probably time for that breakup. 
And what I've learned in relationships where I've had to distance myself from a person, I used to be the ghoster. Oh yeah, ghosting people was my thing. And I've been ghosted and I hate the way it feels. And I've ghosted other people, friends, relationships. And I'm like, damn, looking back in retrospect, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I remember I was really close with somebody and my Nana had passed away, took me out at the knees. I didn't have it in me to have a sit-down conversation and have a friendship breakup with this person. I barely was able to get through the day, yet alone a conversation. So I ended up just ghosting the person and changing my number. And I literally never talked to that person again. They had really done me dirty on a few different things leading up to it. And the breaking point was actually when my Nana passed away. And anyway, it was a lot of bad stuff that happened leading up to that. And so... That one I did ghost, and I've had to do that a couple other times, but I wish now I would have done it a bit differently. Now that I'm older and it's happened to me, and so of course you could always ghost, but I don't recommend that. Honestly, I feel like when it comes to breaking up with a friend, the best thing to do, the most valiant, I guess the most honorable way to do it is to have a conversation. I actually had to break up with somebody recently as a friend, and it wasn't an easy conversation to have. This was a friend who kept hitting me up to hang out. They wanted to see me. And I didn't want to hang out with them because every time I hung out with them, I felt so drained. And I know that this friend always was needing information, always was needing some sort of advice and help, which I didn't mind giving and letting this person pick my brain about the industry and stuff like that. But at some point I was like, this is more for you than it ever was for me. And so I ended up having a conversation I sat her down, we met for coffee, and I said, listen, you know, she was actually a cool friend. She was loyal, and she was very sweet, but also drained me, and I just didn't have time to devote and pour into this friendship because it was was exhausting. It was to the point where I was getting a text, and I was like, oh, God, and I knew if I didn't respond, I would get... Like, oh, you're so busy. You're too busy, Mr. No Response. And I, you know, you posted on your story, but you didn't respond to me. I started getting those messages and I was like, all right, I got to rip the bandaid off. And so I ended up meeting her for coffee and having an open conversation. And I just laid it out and I said, hey, you're a very kind person. I enjoy getting to see you once in a while is great, but I don't have the emotional bandwidth to put the effort and time into this friendship that you are asking of me. And every time I don't respond to a text or I go missing and I end up talking to you again, I feel bad because of it. And you're very quick to point that out in me. And I don't want to have to go through that right now. I just don't have the bandwidth to devote time to this friendship as much as you want or deserve. And so for that reason, you know, I I care about you. I got nothing but love for you. But I got to do me right now. And, and you know, maybe we can reconnect, you know, when things slow down for me in my life and I just don't have so much going on. But right now, I, I do not have the emotional bandwidth to devote time to this friendship like you would want. She actually handled it like a champ. She's like, I totally get it. And appreciated. She was like, thank you for saying that. I was feeling really neglected in our friendship. And I really like hanging out with you. And I was getting bummed because I would see you hanging out with other people and I wouldn't get invited. And I'm like, you're not invited because I barely know you. Okay. But (laughs) like, I I haven't really invested that much, but all fairness, she was very vested in the friendship emotionally. And I just wasn't there emotionally 
to put that much effort that she was needing. And she deserves that. She deserves a friend who will text her back within 2.5 seconds if that matters to her. Just like for me, it really matters to me when people give me notice for stuff. Like I don't like a last minute invite. Once in a while, that's fine. I get it happens. But I had a friend of mine who I'm very close with and he was constantly inviting me to shit last minute and I couldn't go. And then he would say like, oh, of course you can't go. Mr. Flake, Mr. Busy. Oh, do you have a quote unquote fitting? Like I would make shit up. And I'm like, no, I genuinely have to work. You're telling me the day of that you want me to fly to Vegas. You're telling me at 5 p.m. that you want me to meet you for dinner in West Hollywood on the other side of town. Like, no, I, I... And I had to always say no. Of course, I wanted to say yes, though. I love hanging with this person. But I finally said, like, if you really want me to go somewhere, you need to cut this last minute bullshit out. Because if you really want me there, you should make me a priority and give me a heads up. I got a life I'm living over here, work and clients, and I don't have my own schedule. I'm based on a bunch of other people and all their schedules and publicists and agents and managers. And so, no, I don't like your last minute invites all the time. Once in a while, sure, I get it. Something comes up, but you really want me there. But I don't like feeling like a secondary invite, like the person you wanted to go with you bailed on the concert. So now you're going to ask me to go last minute. That's fine. Again, it happens. But this was like a regular thing. So I told him, I was like, hey, the last minute shit, I can't. I won't. I don't like it. I'm not going to show up out of principle because I feel like you're insulting the shit out of me when you keep inviting me last minute. You're not respecting my time. Come on, step it up. And he was like, Fuck, okay, I'm sorry. He's like, I'm super last minute with everything. And you're right. I don't like to plan and I'm sorry. And we were thick as thieves so close after that. I just had to lay it out and be so honest because it started to get to me after a while. I was like, stop with this. So anyway, back to you, Erica, breaking up with friends. Having that conversation is important, laying it out for them. And I will say this much, depending on who the person is, like the friend that I broke up with in person over coffee, I knew that she would prefer that in person over coffee, face to face. She's the type of person, she was similar to me in that sense of, I know that she would actually welcome that dialogue instead of shying away from it. But there are a lot of people, and I would say actually the majority, that would have a difficult time doing something like that. And being on the receiving end of it wouldn't even want to have that happen to them. So if one of these friends that you've given plenty of second chances to is the type of person that probably wouldn't like a face-to-face interaction with a, a breakup in person, then I feel like sending them an email or a text and just laying it out for them in that way is a lot nicer than just ghosting them and disappearing into the universe. <laughs> I think you giving them a bit of closure like that, or at least they just know what's up and they don't feel like it's such a personal attack on them. Also, when you don't say anything to someone and you just ghost them, as someone who has been ghosted, your imagination will eventually get the best of you. I've had that happen. I remember thinking someone who ghosted me for a while just didn't respond. And it had been months. And I was like, she's the literal worst. What a bitch. <laughs> I was like, she's the worst. She's not a good person. She's a narcissist. And I was just like hating on her. Turns out she was going through some serious shit. I had no idea. She had somebody else posting for her on social media because she was still posting all the time. So I looked at it like, oh, she's just kind of the worst. That's not nice. Turns out she had a social media person that just did all that for her. She was going through hell in her personal life. And when she finally reached out to me, like almost four months later, yeah, it was four months. And I was like, hey, 
what the hell? That wasn't cool. It's a lot harder to hate someone in person, by the way, too. <laughs> but I told her, I was like, I thought the worst of you for a while. She's like, I know. I'm so sorry. I should have just told you I'm going through stuff. Please don't take it personal. I will see you soon. I don't know when, but I will see you soon at some point in my life, which would have been great because then I wouldn't have taken it like a personal offense at all. But if she had just told me, hey, going through some shit right now, I'm not able to respond. Because she left me on red for so many different messages. But once I realized that she was actually going through something, a really difficult breakup, and there was a lot happening in her life. And so, yeah, I, I felt bad. I was like, oh my God, sorry. I thought the worst of you for months. <laughs> so she's like, thank you for being honest about that. And I get it. And no, I wasn't just ignoring you. And we're great friends to this day. And so- I feel like opening up the communication and just giving someone a little something so they don't take it so personal is thoughtful in that way. And so, yeah, it's not fun to break up with friends. Sometimes those breakups are painful and feel worse than actually breaking up in a relationship. Oh my God, like losing a best friend, realizing you guys are going on your separate paths and it's just not what it used to be is heartbreaking. But on the flip side of it, silver lining is, yes, you guys could be different paths. Yes, time is going to go between you guys. But hopefully that is just a chapter or a part of your life. And you never know. These people could end up resurfacing into your life in some sort of a way, in a better, more healthy way where you could welcome them with open arms. And so you never know. But hopefully that helped you when it comes to figuring out if you should break up with someone or not. And also how to do it. I hope I was able to help you, Erica. Good freaking luck, queen. And that's our show for today. I have more questions to answer, but I don't have enough time. Damn it. We'll have to do another episode on this because there are more questions that have come in. And I definitely want to answer them. So there are more episodes. Stay tuned in the future. We'll do another Ask Low. And if you have anything that you want advice on, I'm going to do a segment with the queen. So if you have parenting questions or child rearing questions, that sort of thing, the queen is definitely open to helping with that sort of topic. And she's a hell of a lot better than I would be at it. And so I'll bring her on for a childhood parenting type motherhood episode. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Low Life Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. All right, I'm definitely going to have some great episodes coming in hot for you. Oh, Jacob's coming back. That Caitlin Marie Armstrong case, holy shit. That queen was on the run for like, what, 48 days? And she just got caught in Costa Rica. Oh, there's so much going into that story. I'm very proud to say that I was uh, one of the first podcasts, if not the first to talk about that case before it was huge news. So I feel like I'm freaking cutting edge over here. Diane Sawyer with the exclusive. And so I will have Jacob back. We're going to unpack the second part of that case as more unfolds. And there's been a lot. And so we'll have him back for continuing that conversation. Caitlin Marie Armstrong is his ex. And we did an episode talking about how she literally killed somebody and went on the run, went into hiding, fled the country. Anyway. That's going to be a good show. I also have my Canadian Maple Delight. She's going to be on this summer. Jason's coming to visit, I believe, in late July, early August. And he said he's going to be on the podcast too. We have some great shows in store for you. I'm having so much fun doing it. When it comes to an up-and-coming little shit show like the Low Life Podcast, I am new to the game. This is something that is a dream of mine that I thoroughly enjoy doing. And when it comes to a little up-and-coming shit show, Little Engine That Could, or couldn't at times... 
the best way to help an up and coming podcast is to share it with your friends, your family, of course, sharing it with people that helps a lot. Supporting our sponsors, that's a game changer too. But the number one thing you could do to impact this show and really make a difference with the algorithm, the analytics, with sponsors is to leave a review, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This review could be anything you want it to be. Leave a little dick emoji, a tamale, a little salsa dancer, anything you want it to be. You could actually write a message. It is all welcomed and so appreciated. So thank you for taking the time to do that. I have listeners who have written several reviews. They write one every single week. So thank you so, so much from the bottom of my spicy heart for taking the time to do that. I want to show my gratitude. I want to give thanks and praise to my incredible low-lifers, my kings and queens. And so I'm opening up the low-life gifting suite. It's been open, but it will continue to stay open as long as I can afford it, as long as I don't declare bankruptcy. (laughs) There is products, hyaluronic serums, beauty products, shit you didn't know you need on Amazon, pickled popcorn, trashy sangria, gift cards, and a bunch of gifts from our sponsors that I'm sending out to listeners. So if you want a chance to win something, all you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts, but make sure you put your Instagram handle somewhere in the review because I might just be sliding into your DMs and sending you a little something something from the Low Life Gifting Suite. And I want to shout out some listeners who have taken the time to actually write a review. All right, first review is coming in hot from at Lisa Fry, L-I-S-A-E Fry. Lisa writes, thank you, five stars. Thank you for the informative and fun podcast with Christina Vero. Oh, Canadian Maple Delight, I love her. It was inspiring to hear all of these simple things we can all do to relieve anxiety and for our mental health. You are fantastic and happy birthday with a heart and a little kiss emoji. Thank you for that, Lisa. I'm glad you enjoyed that episode. I'm going to have Christina back on and we're going to do an advice type segment talking about all health type related questions. She is a wealth of information. I love talking to a psychologist. She's great. So she'll be back for sure for more episodes in the future. All right. Next review is coming in hot from at Jessica Ashley. Jessica underscore Ashley writes, there's nothing low about this podcast. Five stars. Low, my husband used to only request to listen to the KB episodes when you came on, (laughs) but now you have a podcast. You and my sweet pug Stella are birthday twins. Oh my God. I love this Queen Jessica. No one else deserves to share this day more than a fellow pug lover. Keep doing what you are doing because you are killing it. Happy belated birthday. She gave me a little cake, a heart. Jessica Ashley, you queen. I'm so glad that you and your husband are listening to this show. Stella is enjoying it too. I love it. (laughs) That makes me so happy. Thank you for supporting this show. I appreciate you and su esposo, a king and a queen and their little princess pug Stella enjoying this podcast just warmed my freaking heart. All right, we have time for one more review and this one is coming in hot from at Lex Lang. Love the name. L-E-X Lang. Lex Lang writes, Lo, I love you. Five stars. I just discovered this podcast a couple weeks ago and have binged all the episodes. I'm obsessed. Laugh out loud. The way you talk and the energy you bring every episode is so uplifting. I find myself smiling alone at my desk while listening to all you have to say. And I look forward to sitting at my job for eight hours a day just so I can listen to you. Oh, shit, Queen. Thank you for that. I'm a loyal, low lifer for life. 
Oh my God, Lex Lang, thank you for that. I know work could be exhausting, draining. People just want to get the hell out of there. So if I can make time go by a bit faster, love it. It's like I'm working there with you. Thank you for that, Lex. Appreciate you, Queen. And that's the perfect note to leave this podcast on. I hope you have a beautiful weekend. Sun's out, bun's out. Make sure you wear SPF. We don't want your skin getting all wrinkled like an old crusty coach bag. So please wear some SPF. Have yourself a nice margarita. Pour yourself a delicious glass of wine, queens. But don't forget to drink your water. Because I know you're thirsty. <laughs> we, we love, love you. you. And we're out. <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>